This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to After Work Drinks, the weekly catch-up between best friends and magazine editors Isabel Truman and Grace O'Neill that you get to join in on. Lucky you. Lucky you. Welcome, everybody. The internet was cutting out a little bit and um, Grace could just hear me crunching on this. So she, she got on the Zoom call and I was crunching on this cracker being like, I just have to eat this right now. Otherwise, I'm going to be such a psycho during this episode because I'm so hungry. Um, and then the audio kept cutting out and every time it would cut back, Grace could just hear a crunch. <laughs> All I could hear was your cracker crunching for like 40 seconds. It was very funny. Horrible. How are you going, Isabel Truman? Good. Um, same old. Same shit, different day, really. Um, <laughs> not a lot's been happening. I loved our conversation with Brandon K. Good, though on saturday it's one of my favorite episodes to date i literally thought his name was brandon k good but it's just his you know when you get someone's instagram handle mixed like up Imra. with their yes exactly but yeah that conversation was awesome to blow our own horns for a minute <laughs> mainly like 99 percent because of him <laughs> he is a legend so please listen to that if you haven't already and then what else have i been doing Nothing. Had a very quiet weekend. Didn't um, really drink. Just ate heaps of really yum food. What have you been doing? I've been playing nurse mostly for my mom, but I went out to dinner last week and it was my first time in a restaurant or any sort of official eating space since February. Whoa. Because, yeah, because it was full lockdown in the UK. I left the UK on the 2nd of July and restaurants opened on the 4th. (laughs) <laughs> and then I was in quarantine and then I was looking after my sick mom and now I finally got to go to a restaurant and it was pretty good. <laughs> I was like, it was oh yeah. fine. It was fine. No, it was fun, but it was, uh, yeah, I just got used to it really quickly. I'm a bit worried about Melbourne. It's this weird thing 
where in the UK coronavirus was so bad that I almost feel like there was not much scare tactic-y media because the media was trying to keep everyone relaxed. Mm. And now in Australia, where it's not really a big thing, I feel terrified of coronavirus, even though I was in the epicenter for six months and didn't care that much because the news here is so intense. It's wild. That's like everyone here with um, me heading back to London. Everyone finds that absolutely out of their minds crazy because coronavirus is a thing mm. that like doesn't exist in little New Zealand. And so if you step outside of New Zealand for a second, you're going to die. So everyone's really stressed out about when we go back to London. I'm like, I was in Milan when it kicked off, then Paris and then London. When it and happened, then... yeah. I know. And then on Australian news, it's like, six deaths in like giant <laughs> red letters <laughs> but it is quite bad in melbourne they're, they're getting like 500 cases a day consistently and is it all because the security guard bust the woman and then he was an uber driver okay or is that just a rumor <laughs> apparently yes apparently it's all sources back to the security guard that bust a woman with coronavirus but i wonder how true that is but it's definitely where it started that is so funny <laughs> and horrible. <laughs> it's horrible, but God, how did she even get I contact know. with him for them to like build up enough of a rapport when she's locked in a room yes. like you are to get to bus stage? My question precisely, because I had no contact with security guards beyond when the wine didn't come in time, <laughs> when we were trying to have a wine together. It took 40 minutes for them to deliver the bottle. So I'd I already stuck hung my up head out you. the door. <laughs> And Izzy was gone anyway, so it didn't matter. But I stuck my head out the door and someone sitting on a chair down the hall just stood up and was like, go back inside. And I was like, fine. <laughs> do you want I don't a understand. <laughs> do, you want, do you want to come in for a bus? <laughs> like, I don't understand how that could have happened. It's crazy. I would love to get this hotel guest on the podcast. Same. I want to know every step of the process. Was it like... Did they exchange numbers? I feel like they must have seen each other exchange numbers, had a little text, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a couple of phone calls, and then the bus. She's an icon, really, <laughs> even though she's given a whole country a second wave of coronavirus. I want to know how she interacts with men. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So, yeah, that's what's been happening. Oh, I forgot what you actually have um, what I have been doing this week is watching all of Z-Way's content, which you'll be pleased to hear because you've been sending me her videos every other day for like the past month. I finally um, wore you down, yeah, she's but amazing. worth it, right? Yeah, she's so great. So Z-Way is a American comedian who had this YouTube show called Baited ages ago, which was all about kind of race baiting white people into having really awkward, embarrassing conversations about race. But in the last kind of two months, she started doing it as a weekly Instagram live on Thursdays at 8 p.m. And she's got the most amazing people on. So she's had Caroline Colloway, Alison Roman, uh, Rose McGowan, Alyssa Milano, and now Kimberly Drew, Museum Mummy, who me and Izzy are both obsessed with. But that was a great conversation. But she's basically getting – it's like white people who have – publicly fucked up on the topic of race almost are going on her show to be eviscerated as like a kind of apology tour or something but it's so funny because with um alison roman especially i was like why did you not 
watched the ones before or do you not I feel like some of them just had no idea what they were coming on for mm-hmm so yeah Alison Roman seemed to kind of know a little bit about what she was on for I actually weirdly went away from that liking her more but I think the bar was very low but I also think it's like the reason that we watch it, it makes white people feel very uncomfortable, ourselves included, because they flounder and they can't answer like quite basic questions about black history. They can't answer questions about civil rights leaders. They're asked to name five black people or five Asian people in Alison Roman's case, and they just can't do it on the spot. And it's very uncomfortable to watch. But I also think that the reason it's powerful is because we, we all, you, if you're white, you should watch it with the knowledge that you would also flounder in that situation. Yeah. You know, it's not like a public feeding frenzy. It's like the discomfort of watching someone be asked really blatant blank questions about race that no one's ever going to ask you and watching them not be able to answer it. But yeah, so Alison Roman, I think, came across the best because she was just very honest. Yeah, and and Carolyn Colloway not, did not come across well. And Alyssa Milano, which I didn't – I expected – nothing less came across terribly <laughs> probably the worst so rose mcgowan went on and said like a few did you watch of... rose mcgowan's one yes is she was she fine she was did a few cringy things where mm-hmm. she was like my name is actually rosa mcgowan which is a mexican name but i changed it so then everyone in the live was being like rosa like, <laughs> yeah the comments are the best part yeah the comments are the best part and then um she was talking about how she's friends with all these like Namibian queens, like actual royalty and stuff. Like just said a few things that were a bit cringe, but overall was pretty good. But she dragged Alyssa Milano in hers and was like, I don't know why you're giving me shit because Alyssa Milano's done blackface. So then Alyssa Milano, that's how she found out about this show <sighs> through Twitter, people asking her about it. And then she went on and obviously had no idea what the show was <laughs> and just came across so terribly. She mentioned that she lived in South Africa for three months in like 1999, four separate times and kept deflecting from questions. And then she said that she didn't do blackface. She did tan face. <laughs> Z-Way's reaction she was leaning forward into the camera with these wide eyes like laughing so hard yeah it's a very brilliant series on Instagram TV so we implore you all to watch it I've been watching it all day it's so addictive and it's also I just find it so educational in a way that all the books you read and all of the academic content you read it like boils down all of these academic concepts you just get it watching the video. You just get how absurd the way that white people talk about and understand race is in a 20-minute segment that's also funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just showcases, like, privilege and white saviorism and white fragility and all of these things in just this very clear way. And if you watch it, the questions – it's she's meant to be race baiting. So it's the questions are purposely designed to get a reaction out of someone or designed that there's no right answer. You know what I mean? Mm, Yeah. yeah. She'll she'll say things like, what do you qualitatively like about black people? And some people start to try to answer and she's like, no, 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 I'm going to stop you there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wasn't it? Um, I think Carolyn or like someone started saying something. Oh my God. They said the funniest. Caroline Colloway came across terribly. And I'm just not even a jokey fan of her anymore. I just think she's an idiot. Yeah. But she was just very gleefully joking about how good life was for her as a blonde white girl. And I was like, it's not really cute or funny. And she was like, see, I know this. Can I have an allyship cookie? And I'm like, I know you're joking, but it's not really cute 
to joke about. And you're not you're not in on this joke. Yeah. She spent the whole time <laughs> yeah. thinking she was in on this joke that she just wasn't in on. Yes. And it was just yeah, so that's uncomfortable. What was so cringe about it. But yeah, everyone should watch that. Another thing that's been going on on Twitter this week is uh, Elon Musk firing up about a bunch of things. So he said that pronouns suck after naming his kid like X114. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hate him. He has the worst him. energy of any like public figure. Yeah. And Grimes, his partner, replied to that tweet being like, I love you, but what the fuck, give me a call kind of thing. And then Grimes' mom <laughs> has also been um, responding on some of his tweets, having a go at him, which is just so messy. But Where anyway, is he tweeting from that they can't just have a conversation as well? I don't know. Is Tesla. Likewise, his wife tweeting in response instead of going in the room and talking to him. Yes, and then another thing that he tweeted was that he doesn't think that government stimulus packages are in the best interests of the people, in my opinion, and that is to help people who have suffered financial losses um, due to COVID when Elon Musk's wealth has gone up by $46.7 billion over the past four months. Yuck. Leading us to want to have a bit of a conversation about billionaires as a whole. Which has been popping up a lot recently, and it's obviously because we're in an economic crisis and everyone is being like, look at these people with bazillions of money that could do a lot more to help. Yes. So I said I said this like three weeks ago, and then I saw a statistic which confirmed it to me, which made me so happy, which was, I think I was talking to Zach about it, and I said, a billion dollars is an amount of money that you can't even get your brain around. Like, you can't even understand how much money it is i feel like we're not even there yet and then i saw a study that showed that the human brain has actually not evolved cognitively to understand what a billion is like we can't we understand what a million is we can get an image in our brain of what a million people looks like or what a million dollars looks like but we cannot get our brain around what a billion is so if you can't even cognitively understand how much money you have, you shouldn't be allowed to have that much money because you can't even get your head around what that money could be doing to help others instead of sitting in your own bank account because mm. it just it, it hits a point where it just doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah, and it would just end up being just like a figure. So if it's like $54 billion, you probably look at that as if it was like 54000 and you're just saving more, 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 but you're not realizing that it's billions, you know, because like that, yeah. surely that's the only way to kind of explain why if you literally in your entire lifetime could never, ever, ever spend that much money. If your kids, your grandkids, everyone would still have billions and billions of dollars that even they couldn't spend. Surely you'd just give away the rest. But obviously they, they don't think about it like that because they haven't got their head around it. Or they're just yes. greedy assholes. Yes. And I think... A lot of the time when we say that say that we say Jeff Bezos is worth $113 billion, that doesn't mean that he has a bank account with $113 billion in it. It means that it's the value of his Amazon stock and blah, 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 and it's in things that aren't actual money in his account. But let's say even if he had $10 billion in his actual bank account, even then, like you say, it's impossible for him to spend that much money. So all it's doing is sitting there earning millions of dollars of interest probably and the thing that i find so crazy about it is and i get that 
you can make this argument about anything. But it's like there are people in the world who probably live in a very short vicinity to wherever Jeff Bezos lives where $1,000 would change their whole entire life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It would be the difference between getting your car fixed so you can go to your job and make money to pay for your kids' school fees or to take them to school. Or it would be the difference between um, being able to get a surgery that's going to extend your lifespan or not getting one because it's not considered an essential surgery. Like There are actual things that are happening to people every single day that a tiny amount of money is all they need (laughs) to have their lives completely transformed. And then you have someone who has so much money that he cannot even get his brain around how much money that is. And it's just sitting as a number in an account doing nothing. Like how wild is that? Yeah. And I loved the, um, that like Instagram tile that was circulating earlier this week or last week where it was like, we vastly underestimate how big of an amount $1 billion is. And it, it, Use the example of 1 million seconds is 11 days, while 1 billion seconds is 32 years. What the fuck? 11 days versus 32 years. Yeah, so you even saying that, I still just don't really get it. Neither. I'm like, I don't understand how that can be a thing. (laughs) And also we have this idea, I think, that um, billionaires, because of like capitalism, we put billionaires on such a big pedestal you know like forbes covers and kardashians and and we think of them as geniuses when 44 percent of billionaires inherited their wealth and also no person can be it's like if you're a billionaire you're not working one billion times harder than someone who's making minimum wage in fact i think Yes, you can be an intelligent business person and make smart decisions. But at the same time, I think that the hardest working people in terms of actual hard work, exhausting themselves, working really hard, are often the lowest paid people. So it's strange that we think that billionaires are just entitled to their billions because they work hard. It's like that's never been the way that people are paid. That's exactly what we've seen with COVID. It's like as as soon as it's like just the essential workers go to work – you see who should be being paid the most money. It's the people that literally keep the country and the world moving are getting paid the least amount of money. And the people who are just like created a fucking app are getting paid millions. Yes. If you have the grounding of money, it's like quite hard to fuck that up. You know what I mean? Like it's quite hard to lose it. For example... I came up with the best idea for an app. I've come up with multiple great ideas for apps <laughs> in my little pea brain. <laughs> but my latest one is a really good idea. It's so good, in fact, that I'm not going to tell you on the podcast. I'm going to tell you it later, even though mm-hmm. I'll never invent it. But it's it's something where if I was the CEO of Apple, I could invent it and it would make loads of money. But like a tiny individual with no individual money can create something. So if you are born with money, you're just given the scope to earn more money. And then that just keeps creating more money and then you just keep getting it and then people just think it's because you're super, super, super clever when it's not even the case. Yeah, exactly. Did you do you remember um God, I can't really rem- I can't remember when it came out, but last year sometime, like maybe start of two thousand and nineteen, the cut on Tuesdays did an episode with Abigail Disney and she was talking about inheriting oh. billions of dollars. And she was like She's quite cool, isn't she? Yeah. And she was basically explaining why no one should have no one should be rich enough to have a private jet. 
the plane took off, and I realized there were three pilots and two flight attendants and me in a 737, all alone. The next time you get on a 737, I want you to notice the size of that plane. And then I want you to imagine it with, like, basically a living room and a study and a dining room and a kitchen and a bedroom with a queen-size bed in it, because that's basically what it was. And, uh, and okay, I love Raffles potato chips and French onion dip. They always have that for me when I'm on the plane. <laughs> they brought me in, like, like, Waterford Crystal and, you know, whatever else. And then they were like, okay, time for you to go to sleep. And they tucked me into my big bed, which had a, a seat belt that went all the way across it. Oh, my God. The only way FAA would approve it. <laughs> And um, and I just lay there wide awake, staring up at the ceiling, thinking that I can't do this. This is not right. Nobody should have this. No one on this earth should have this. I mean, it's just wrong. And she was just like, if you are born into this much money, you are just set up for absolute success. She's like, I could do literally anything. Exactly what you said. Like, you can just have one good idea mm -hmm. and you can make it work. Because you can hire the best of the best people to make it work. And to make it incredible. Yeah, and anyone could do that. And it's this weird thing where we obsess over um, entrepreneurs or business people who make heaps of money and we just like think they're superior humans. I just think about um, a lot of my really good friends from high school, including my best friend Phaedra, are nurses. And I will sit and talk to her about her, her working day. And they literally get in at 6 a.m., get into scrubs so that I know people know what nursing is, but just thinking technically about it. So you're in a mask and full body suit for hours at a time, standing on your feet the whole day. You're dealing with not only the, like the remit of bodily functions and fluids, but of people having the worst days of their lives, people being near death, grieving, scared families, like people going into cardiac arrest on the table, all of this stuff. That is one of the hardest jobs in the world mentally. And yet we, and like teachers as well, who literally teach humans to become good humans and useful mm. to society. Mm. Those jobs are considered our most expendable, lower tier paid roles. Mm. It's so insane. It's just bizarre. And we think somehow that a billionaire that creates like an app is a, a better person than like a janitor or something. It's just it's like such a mess. I was even talking the other day, and I know we're speaking more about billionaires, but I was even speaking the other day just about the privilege of being born into wealth, even if it just means that you can go to a private school, even if it means that your parents are paying for university so you don't have to have a second job to work at the same time. It's just the smallest amount of wealth is just so life-changing. And, and I was talking to it, talking to my friend in the sense of saying that sometimes I find people who have been born into wealth a lot harder to get along with than people who haven't because it's just such different life lived mm -hmm. experiences. And we were speaking specifically about, yeah, just like a mutual friend who has just been born into this wealth and they can't even understand their privilege in a, in a way. And I know a lot of wealthy people can, and I know a lot of wealthy people are very aware of the privileges they're born into and everything. But it's kind of it's kind of like being white. Like it's like we're aware that we're white and we're aware that we have all these insane privileges, but you still miss so much and you still benefit from them. Yeah, and I, I someone even said to me, which was really life-changing to me because I think I've always had the idea 
and I know you have too, that we're useless with money or we're not good with money or that we're bad at saving or that we spend too much or whatever. And then I was talking to a friend about a couple she knows how the dynamic in the relationship was that the girl was bad at money and bad with saving. The guy had was good with money and good at saving and they were looking at getting like engaged and buying a house and how he was getting concerned that he was going to have to put all the money in and she wasn't going to have it. So this guy's girlfriend, similar to us, moved out of home really young, didn't have parents paying school fees, was paying rent from the age of 17 or 18, um, has always had to work one or two full-time jobs, never had parents pay for overseas holidays, spending money, um, university textbooks, all of that stuff. And then she asked that guy, she said, what would be the cumulative amount of money that your parents paying for your car, your international holidays when you're in uni, your school fee, like your uni fees, your your rent rent for you staying at home or paying your rent, you're spending money. How much cumulatively would that money be? And it was like less than the money he had that was more than her in his bank account. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like there are people, there are friends of ours that look at me and you and think we're useless with money because we had have or had debt or don't have savings but those people are the same people who are like 30 or 40 thousand dollars ahead of us in terms of the things that their parents have been able to provide to us that we don't have Mm, yeah so it's like we're not shit at money we just didn't have all of these things so whenever we went on trips or holidays around europe when we were in uni we paid every cent of it ourselves or when we wanted to buy a car and get rego and insurance on it we paid for all of that ourselves and we paid for the maintenance and we paid for our rent from the age of 17 even the cumulative cost of rent from the age of 17 to 25 which is when most people move out of home is like thirty thousand dollars that we've just paid that other people haven't had to pay so it's like you know, we just the way we think of money is just I know we've talked about this before, but it's just so funny. That's so interesting. I've been finding as I've gotten older just how much money and people's um relationship with money, whether it's being born into wealth or whatever it is, um, impacts how much I can get along with them. It's funny. I don't think I would get along with Elon Musk, to be honest. No, he seems like a fuckhead. <laughs> And also I think there's this idea that billionaires such as like Jeff Bezos and stuff are charitable because they'll make big donations and then everyone claps them on. But for example, Jeff Bezos makes more in one minute than his warehouse workers make in one year. And then like recently he made headlines for donating $100 million to Feed America in April, but he makes $215 million per day. So it's just like, it's just not even a drop in the ocean. And then... The fact that there's, you know, we have all those Forbes lists of the top 10 billionaires and we know all these like wanky white men's names off by heart because they have so much wealth. But it's like, why do we celebrate the concept of hoarding wealth and having billions and billions of dollars as if it's something to aspire towards instead of instead of celebrating and normalizing paying people a fair wage for their work and labor? And paying people mm. for things that contribute to the world. And instead, we've got like these Forbes lists of like having Kylie on the cover being like the world's youngest billionaire. It's like, why is that something to even be celebrated? Greta Thunberg just gave away her whole million dollar prize towards the environment. And that wasn't on, that was just an Instagram title. Yeah, this is the strange thing is the way that we, I, I'd never heard that term wealth hoarding until recently. Z-Way actually, in an interview she did with Jeremy O'Harris, who is a black American playwright. Um, he became 
not super wealthy, but quite wealthy. And she was asking him about, did he hoard his wealth or does he share it with like back into the black community? And I was like, whoa, that's like an intense question. And then I started Googling wealth hoarding and realized it's this whole topic among people that if you start to earn money, you have a responsibility to redistribute that money to places that need it. I thought, what a fascinating idea, because we never talk about money in that way. We never talk about money as if you get it, you should think about the best way you can invest that to help other people. We only talk about money in the sense of we give people a free pass to earn as much money as they possibly can without ever reinvesting it back to anywhere that needs it Yeah, as like a free thing that people can just do. It's really strange when you think about it. And then when you think about it that way, because I don't know if you feel like this, but I, I know you feel like this actually, where if you give money away, like if I give money to people who are experiencing homelessness or um, to charitable donations or sign up for UNICEF or whatever, it's framed by people as you being a sucker or being an idiot or you, mm. I feel stupid for it sometimes, like as if I've been – I'm doing something silly. Sometimes you can feel like you've been tricked and and you're like, oh God, I've just given my money away. That was so stupid of me. Yes. Or you, yeah, you feel like you've been tricked out of your money or you feel like you've wasted your money, you know, and then you spend, I never feel like that about Netflix. Yeah. Where that money's, or buying something off Apple, where that money's directly going to a billionaire who doesn't need it. I never think, oh, why am I spending my money on that? But I think that about giving it to people who actually need it. It's like this weird way society has forced us to think about money where it makes us feel like we're, we're idiots or we've been tricked or we don't understand things if we give people money to people who are deserving. It's like if we had a friend who made lots of money, who made $200,000 a year, and they decided to live in a tiny apartment and donate 80% of their income to charities, which if we're talking about a good way for society to function is a great thing to do, everyone would find them weird and suspicious. Yeah, I know. Whereas that's amazing (laughs) yeah like if everyone just did that the whole world would be different it's just crazy that you bring to bring it back to what you were saying before about teachers and nurses and everything we just put wealth and being wealthy on this crazy pedestal as a huge indicator or like the biggest indicator of how successful you are as a person is how much money you make when really it shouldn't be like that at all like my friend the other day we were out for wines and we were talking about her job and i knew that she did lots with charity and I knew that she was she's amazing she was sending money to Nepal for COVID and I posted it on our stories at one point but she's incredible and often travels the world and works in third world countries but since she's been back in Auckland New Zealand she's been working at these three different charitable organizations around the clock one of them is for um, disabled men and women and one of them is for children who are in between being rehomed for foster care and like all of these incredible organizations and she gets paid absolute shit because it's charity but then no one would look at her as being successful because she can't afford to buy her own her own home she lives with flatmates or whatever and you'd look at the person who is a banker or a lawyer or just doing something that makes you the big bucks and think of them as being super successful. It's just such a weird, um, weird societal thing. Anyway. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. On to a queen. The queen. So we want to talk about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and her incredible speech that she made last Thursday off the back of a Republican congressman, Ted Yoho, who confronted her on the steps of the US Capitol last week. And they'd never they'd never spoken before. And he called it disgusting and out of her freaking mind for talking about how poverty can drive crime. And then as they walked away, Yoho called AOC a fucking bitch. And it was a reporter heard the entire exchange. But despite a reporter hearing the whole exchange and AOC saying it happened, Yoho said that he never called her that. And when he apologized on Wednesday, he didn't even use her name. He just said a colleague from New York and then basically said that it was this roundabout, not even apology, saying that he's been married for 45 years and has two daughters, so he was cognizant of his language. So then AOC, after initially tweeting, bitches get shit done, and I think she was originally planning on leaving it there and not addressing the whole thing, his pitiful kind of excusal of his behavior on Wednesday prompted her to make this speech on Thursday. And that's when we start to see that this issue is not about one incident. It is cultural. It is a culture of lack of impunity, of accepting of violence and violent language against women, and an entire structure of power that supports that. Because not only have I been spoken to disrespectfully, particularly by members of the Republican Party, and elected officials in the Republican Party, not just here, but the President of the United States last year told me to go home to another country with the implication that I don't even belong in America. The governor of Florida, Governor DeSantis, before I even was sworn in, called me a whatever that is. Dehumanizing language is not new. And what we are seeing is that incidents like these are happening in a pattern. This is a pattern of, of an attitude towards women and dehumanization of others. So while I was not deeply hurt or offended by little comments that are made, when I was reflecting on this, I, I honestly thought that I, I was just going to pack it up and go home. It's just another day, right? But then yesterday, Representative Yoho decided to come to the floor of the House of Representatives and make excuses for his behavior. And that I could not let go. I could not allow 
my nieces. I could not allow the little girls that I go home to. I could not allow victims of verbal abuse and worse to see that, to see that excuse, and to see our Congress accept it as legitimate and accept it as an apology and to accept silence as a form of acceptance. I could not allow that to stand, which is why I'm rising today to raise this point of personal privilege. And I do not need Representative Yoho to apologize to me. Clearly, he does not want to. Clearly, when given the opportunity, he will not. And I will not stay up late at night waiting for an apology from a man who has no remorse over calling women and using abusive language towards women. But what I do have issue with is using women, our wives, and daughters as shields and excuses for poor behavior. Mr. Yoho mentioned that he has a wife and two daughters. I am two years younger than Mr. Yoho's youngest daughter. I am someone's daughter, too. My father, thankfully, is not alive to see how Mr. Yoho treated his daughter. My mother got to see Mr. Yoho's disrespect on the floor of this house towards me on television. And I am here because I have to show my parents that I am their daughter and that they did not raise me to accept abuse from men. Yes, so amazing. I teared up a bit when I watched it because it just made me feel I feel like what he did, (laughs) so powerful. What he did is, is just such classic fucking 101 gaslighting where he essentially did something in the presence of people who overheard it in an exchange that was in a public place that multiple people saw and then try to get up and say to the whole of America that it didn't happen and couldn't have happened because he has daughters. Like, it's so pathetic. So for her to just come out and say in this succinct, perfect way, no, you did fucking say it. No, you're no better than the, like, aggressive guys who used to work at bars that I had to kick out. And no, you're not going to get away with this because no one believes you. It was just so life-affirming yeah and the way she said that him using his wife and daughters to basically say that he couldn't be sexist was incredible because you know as we all know lots of men have daughters and wives like harvey weinstein brett kavanaugh donald trump pretty much every dickhead in the history of the world (laughs) and that excuse is just the craziest thing that I feel like men fall back on all the time, especially daughters. And it's just the grossest thing to to think that you can, like what he said is just so despicable. Like I just, I just never cease to be shocked by the way that straight white men will act in regards to women. Like this is one of the most prominent politicians in America at the time. And she has to deal with being spoken to like that at her place of work in front of other people. It's just so infuriating. Yeah, and it's just a perfect example of the shit that women have to deal with every single day at work. It's a perfect example of the patriarchy working against women. It literally just shows 
the entire structure of power that supports this man being able to say this to a woman and get away with it. And he would have gotten away with it if she hadn't stood up and called him out like that. And then when she stands up, when AOC stands up and calls him out like that, she was getting shit in the media as if she was brand building by the New York Times, no less. Yes. So can you explain this story? So when AOC did that incredible speech, the New York Times piece on her speech basically said that she excels at using her detractors to amplify her own political brand instead of literally saying she's holding a man accountable for calling her a derogatory name at work and then trying to excuse himself for it instead of apologizing. And it's also like, isn't everything every politician does an act of like political branding in some way? Cause it's just the nature of their job. It's like him calling her a fucking bitch on the house of the Capitol is him asserting his political brand as a woman hating right-wing Republican. Yeah. You know, you, you should write that sentence into every single p- politician you cover because everyone's just trying to brand themselves politically. That's such a bizarre thing to say. But also being like building a brand is just such a thing that's used for women and not men. Like how often mm-hmm. do you see a man who's mm-hmm. in the public eye being told that being accused of building a brand? He just has a career. It's so true. And even the term personal brand, how it's become a joke that we bandy around of, oh, it's very on brand for me and blah, blah, blah. It's something that almost solely relates to women. And Mm. when we talk about curating a personal brand online, if we're now talking about Instagram and living on social media, it's such a thing that relates to women in the public eye. And it's almost like women build personal brands, quote unquote, it's such a stupid phrase, because it's become one of the few places where they can monetize themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like people build personal brands on Instagram because Instagram is one of the few places in the world where women make a lot more money than men do. The fact that the the New York Times and other media outlets are kind of casting her as standing up for her own dignity as a brand building exercise. And The Guardian actually put it perfectly when they they wrote an amazing piece about it saying that this New York Times article is a perfect example of what Ocasio-Cortez was referring to when she talked about Yoho's actions being supported by an entire structure of power. Yes. Wow. Yes. Because I, I read somewhere that the New York Times didn't put the words fucking bitch in their story when they covered Yoho's apology. And they only mm. used the actual spelled out words fucking bitch when they were referencing what AOC had said in her speech. So it was almost like they weren't going to acknowledge what he had said until she said it first. So it looks like she's the one saying those words because they were quoting the fact yeah, that she said some them. weird stuff lately. They have. Hey, they did that story when Black Lives Matter protests started saying the headline was literally send in the military or something. And they were getting all this backlash on Twitter. And the opinions editor said, I like to have a multitude of voices on the New York Times. Don't you? And wasn't he, like, fired or something? I don't know, but people just said a multitude of voices doesn't mean giving massive airtime to really dangerous fringe voices that aren't even saying things that are thoughtful or intelligent. So random. So weird. Also, my subscription has just randomly jumped up by, like, three times what it was without any warning. Don't. So I'm going to have to have words with them. This is what my idea was about, actually. Maybe I'll just tell you what it is and someone can trademark it and they can Venmo us if they create this brand when I said before I had a great idea which is that we need a mega company 
where you pay a monthly fee and it can give you access to lots of different subscriptions at once. Yes. Like a Spotify or something. So you can pay $10 a month or $20 a month and you can tick the places you want to subscribe to at once. Or So it's kind of like class pass for subscriptions sort of thing. Class pass for subscriptions and also each individual article can have a, a, a per article cost. Love so say that. you don't want to subscribe to the Washington Post, but you want to read one article, you can just pay 80 cents to read that article and you don't have to fuck around putting in all your details and subscribing. But that just means that your account that month is just deducted 80 cents. Love that idea. I feel like we should cut this out of the Great podcast. Ideas. I know. We could literally be billionaires, but you need you need an Apple to create it because they need every single publisher in the world to get on board. Mm. I know. <laughs> but yes, hate the subscriptions at the New York Times as well. Um, I wanted to talk to you about the word bitch because the more I thought about it, the more I realized that it's such a complicated word that has so many cultural connotations that the more you scratch are more obvious everywhere. So we see bitch as being an insult to women, as being a derogatory term for women. It has been, according to my primitive research since the 15th century, a derogatory term for women. But also we've seen people trying to reclaim the term bitch. So like AOC posted that video of her dancing to bitches get things done. We have bad bitch, like she's a bad bitch for doing this. And then we have basic bitch, which has become like a colloquial term for being kind of basic, but it's not its not considered a really pointed jab, nasty insult. It's kind of a funny thing that people take on mm-hmm. about themselves. So many of our favorite songs that we listen to have lines about bitches. Female rappers now take on being bitches as being like, pedestal that they put themselves on so what's the deal i think personally i just i just think with everything it matters in what context it's set in so i literally was about to say to you as we were getting on the call i was like i had to eat this food because i was being a fucking hungry bitch but obviously that Mm. doesn't mean i'm not being derogatory towards myself but then i think it still can carry a lot a lot of weight when it's said in a way that yoho said it to aoc so it's like that weird thing where like we can reclaim it and we can spin it in a positive light but then if someone's saying a word to you i don't know i loved how yeah what florence given was saying that she was like a bitch is just a person that gets things done i used to think these really confident women I would see in the media, I'd be like, she's such a bitch. But no, she was, I was just so jealous of her. Like I was so jealous of the way that these women commanded a room and the way that they just made their presence. I love women who just make you want to respect you because of their energy. And I would project that onto them, my insecurity, and I'd be like, oh, she's such a bitch. And it's like, no, you just feel really small in her presence because she reminds you that you're a fucking doormat to everyone in your life and you can't say no. It's funny because the way that bitches is used, especially in music, is a kind of way to demean women down to something that's like less than a woman and is just a piece of property that's owned by a man. And Kanye got a lot of backlash a couple of years ago when he wrote a song called for Kim called Perfect Bitch. <laughs> and <laughs> very on-brand for him, actually, in a mm-hmm. twist on the on-brand thing. Um, but then, I don't know, it just has so many connotations and meanings. And then I was thinking about how if you talk shit about someone, you're bitching about someone. But bitching is only a phrase that people use 
with women talking about women or gay men talking about gay men or women. There's no equivalent in male parlance for men talking shit about each other. It's just Mm. bitching. That's so true. And another thing that's super interesting is the concept of resting bitch face, which is obviously the idea that you look angry when you're just – that's just your everyday go-to face is an angry one. Um, And that if you can accidentally look like a bitch, it's a negative thing. And then that is always – only women that are told they have resting bitch face. Like men who just look grumpy naturally will probably just look quite hot or powerful. Yes. Or like they're thinking about something <laughs> serious. Actually, that was one of the things in, did you watch n- the new Hannah Gadsby special? Oh, Douglas? I was like halfway through it. Yeah. I, I didn't get the whole way through it either, but it, um, she talked about that at some point towards the start about how when men, have a resting serious face we assume they're thinking about serious things and coming up with smart ideas about the world whereas if women have a serious or downward face people think that they're angry or scowling or like being negative and bringing the vibe down and it goes back to that thing of how we expect women to perform in a way that makes people feel comfortable around us Mm. and then also that women probably often do that more as a whole, because we're, we're obviously trying to be likable and fit in and be <laughs> accepted into these places. So we probably do often, we do, we, it's been proven actually, I was reading that somewhere, that we smile more than men, but we're always told that we're not smiling to smile more. And there's like so many famous celebrities who have been told they have resting bitch face. There's Anna Kendrick, January Jones, Tyra Banks, obviously Victoria Beckham, Kristen Stewart, Anna Paquin, and there's no men. Apart from like Kanye again, who keeps um, breaking the mold. And those are people who are um, all, now you say it, divisive in a way. Mm. They are all women who people say, oh, I just don't like her for some reason. Yeah. And it's like, that's why. Because she's not smiling all the time. You think she's not making you feel comfortable. So you feel like she's mean. That's so true. I was trying to think of times that I had been called a bitch or called someone a bitch, but I couldn't really think of anything. And then I wondered if it's just become so common that you you just don't even think about it when you say it or when you're called one. Yeah. I don't remember ever being called a bitch by a man. No, that's what I was thinking as well. Me neither. But not to our faces anyway. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then it's like I was reading another piece. It's about you know, do we even want to reclaim this word and spin it? So, for example, I was um, watching Z-Way, who we were just talking about, her interview with Kimberly Drew, who is Museum Mommy on Instagram. And I didn't even realize this, which is quite ignorant of me, but Mommy is like a derogatory term used specifically towards black women. And I didn't realize that. And then Z-Way was asking her a question, um, putting her on the spot, kind of being like, do you think it's shit that you use something that was used against us as you know your instagram handle to be kind of cute and quirky or whatever and then kimberly pushed back and was like no actually i think it's really powerful and i think it's really important that we t- take these words and reclaim them and use them for our own and it's like that's kind of feels like that's what we as women are trying to do with the word bitch but then um do we want that word yeah do we even want to reclaim that yeah, I saw in one of the stories that we were reading before this episode that in the 70s, especially feminists really tried to reclaim the phrase bitch. And I think that I really like the idea of that. And I actually think that maybe the fact that women have been trying to reclaim the word for so long means that like the zing has been taken out of it 
a lot. Because if you just normalize a word to the point where it doesn't feel offensive anymore, then it doesn't mean as much when it's said. Um, But by the same token, what Yahoo said to AOC was offensive, not necessarily because of what he said, but because he said that thing because he just wanted to say something that would really be really derogatory towards her. So it's like if the bad intentions are there, it kind of, the word kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. Because he's just trying to say something horrible to make her feel like shit. But I guess if we just normalize the word and take back the word more, then men will just run out of words to be able to use to make women feel like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the power I feel like will they'll just gone. switch. <laughs> yeah. But at least we'll have bits. Yeah. It's just so funny. Just the things we've normalized. Like I just think about all of these songs we listen to, like 99 Problems and stuff. We've just gotten so used to like all our favorite songs just say like bitch like a hundred times and we just have just gotten over it. I know. But me and you call each other a bitch all the time. Do we? That's what I mean. I just I just don't even think about how I use it ever. Oh, I know. I, we I feel use like it say it all the time. Yeah. No, we're you. So if we're talking about something positive. We'll be like, yes, bitch. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Like, bitch. Yeah. 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 <laughs> bitch. I know. If we do something good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's great. I think we keep doing that. I like it. That's what I loved about Florence Given in our interview. Yeah. And she was just like, I want to be a fucking bitch. Like, a bitch <laughs> to me is just someone who doesn't um, make herself more palatable and likable to deal with men mm. why would i want to do that that's not aspiring to me <sighs> yes bitch. just wish i'd figured this all out sooner yes bitch <laughs> yahoo is just so embarrassing as a final note i just hate him his instagram is so Yoho funny and he, he has... didn't correct me wait i might be wrong <laughs> is it yoho i'm calling him yahoo I'm calling him yahoo <laughs> no kids about him i don't care it is yoho you were right his name can be I said it wrong and you didn't correct me Yahoo is just so embarrassing I went on his Instagram account it has like 2,000 followers and his last post has 31,000 comments or something and it's just all people saying they hate him amazing obviously you know don't bully people but I don't get why he doesn't have to resign because of that in any other job on planet Earth, if you were caught calling a colleague a fucking bitch in public in front of everyone, you would just have to resign or you'd be fired. I just don't understand. Yeah, that's so true. I think it's because he's saying he didn't say it, even though a reporter was right there. <laughs> Did you guys know I have a wife um, before you start calling me sexist? Trump's like, I am not sexist. Have you seen my hot daughter, Ivanka? <laughs> have you heard of Melania? A little someone called Melania? <laughs> That proves I'm not sexist. I love AOC. But one thing that's like so depressing is that AOC is um, 30. (laughs) Depressing as in how accomplished she is. Yeah, she's just just so amazing and accomplished and wise. She's she's just so clever. But she was literally a bartender until she ran. Mm. Exactly. Going back to what we were just bloody talking about before. This stupid assumption that people that earn lots of money are somehow better people. Or smarter. That's not true. Mm. Yeah, she loves. Can't wait for her to be president. She's not allowed to run for another five years, which is extremely random rule. Really? Mm. You can't run for president until you're 35. I remember the day that she won, um, like a a rally against. So she went up against a guy who hadn't lost in 10 years, and she won. 
And it was the morning and I was getting on the bus in Sydney to go to work and I was scrolling and I was like, who the fuck is this? And she just turned out to be so incredible. And I remember someone, because she always wears that amazing red lipstick, someone tweeted her and said, what shade of lipstick are you wearing? And she responded and was like, still a shade, blah, blah, or something. And then it sold out. And I was like, I love this woman. I just love that she's not (laughs) sacrificing the fact that she's a millennial woman because she thinks she has to to be taken seriously. She's just always been. She is the fucking coolest on that note shall we wrap it up please rate review and subscribe we will see you again on saturday and if you are after more after work drinks please give our interview episodes a listen because actually one thing i have to have a go at everyone about is a lot of our obviously this makes sense but a lot of our episodes with the most well-known people are obviously listened to more but we only pick incredible people to talk to and so all of our interview conversations are bloody top notch because they're people who we have been following for ages and are obsessed with so just like grace got me onto z-way far too late listen back to the ones you haven't listened to and we promise you'll be stoked yes great little psa love you guys we'll see you on saturday for another fantastic conversation (laughs) if we do say so ourselves (laughs) bye and we love you bye Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com.